on the Spencer the Pez, poking out at the cons, Renaissance vests, watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie, <laughs> sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the left to F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor, I'm just the definition of a fanboy, Listen up, fanboys, it's the Fanboy Planet Podcast, and here's your host, the Cloverfield-loving Derek McCaw. Oh, that's an overstatement on a couple of levels. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. This is Wednesday, thank you, January 6th, oh, the wind's whistling through Rick's head. Uh, Wednesday, January 16th, 2008, coming to you from Elusive Comics and Games, 2725 El Camino Real Suite 104. Very good. Thank you. In Santa Clara, California. Had to adjust my spiel a bit. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about this evening. Of course, we've got comics coming up. We've got uh, we've actually all read some of the same books, so we can actually give uh, what, what's it called an informed argument. opinion, uh, perhaps <laughs> discussion. In, but you know, actually informed, informed argument. That's very interesting. Some movie, we have a movie review. Lon and I saw Cloverfield last night. We're also going to talk about some upcoming movie news, and of course, the the big thing this week is the Terminator. The Sarah Connor Chronicles will be talking about Sarah that later. Connor. Oh, yes, except there's no option. Are you Summer Glau? Oh, oh no, what? No, I feel a little awkward with, that you asked me that question. <laughs> anyway, before we get into that, of course, there are a few things we need to do. Administrative duties. First of all, to take care of some corrections. On a serious note, yes. On a serious note, uh, we've uh, apparently we fomented some false information uh, largely because in the past couple of months we've had Chris Garcia on the show a few times, and what we realize is that Chris actually doesn't know what he's talking about, except for Not wrestling. At all. I'm going to give I'm going to give him wrestling. So, um, as it turns out, uh, we reported uh, a few weeks ago that the Smurfs were a a Dutch creation. And, uh, They're not a Dutch creation? No, apparently it turns out that this week is the 50th anniversary of the Smurfs, and they are actually Belgian. Is that wow? What is Belgian? Like Inspector Poirot? Exactly, he is a Belgian. We didn't I say they were French originally? Yeah, but that's, but that's not, not Belgian, Belgian isn't it either. Close, no, yeah, no. See, that's now, like Inspector. Now we waffled about this, but really, it's it, it's Belgian, and uh, you know that the the original creator. Payo uh, has, uh, has been dead for 15 years, but apparently, in honor of the 50th, the Smurfs will live forever, baby. But uh, they were actually created uh, in the in the late. Uh, I guess this would make the late 50s, 58, in a, in a different comic strip. They were sort of minor characters. Uh, they got some popularity, and it was, but it was Hanna Barbera that worked with Payo to cre- create the mythos that we have talked about. And uh, so, you know, after all these that. weeks of using Payo as a sound effect, I have trouble hearing you say the name Payo. Yeah, I'm not going to say it. Okay. Uh, it also turns out that the Poseidon Adventure was never actually shown in the Titanic. Who said that? That was Chris Garcia. And uh, that there was a silent film version. Uh, no, that there was, wasn't that a was silent not, film version. That was version? not correct. Uh, and nor did L. Ron Hubbard uh, create Star Trek. So, he didn't. No. Uh, I'm glad we got that straight. I've got to so, talk to my investment agent. 
Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, the other thing, the past few weeks... Uh, you know what time it is now, Derek? You tell me, Long, because you're my announcer. It's time for Listener Mail! Well, let's uh, look at the Listener Mail bag and... Holy crap, we have some. Okay. What? <laughs> yeah, we actually Somebody actually do. wrote in? First of all, I'm going to make... Uh, I got an email uh, that I, I didn't print out for this, but it, but it was an appeal needing the... the Zorlak knowledge that goes beyond what I can do. Oh, it is wow. a movie trivia question. We got an email from Thailand. Whoa. From Mr. Sudipongse Tapitakul. And I'm not... How long did you practice saying that? <laughs> he was my college roommate. He oh, is wow. currently, he is So several years. <laughs> he is uh, currently the Ryan Seacrest of, of Thailand and hosts several television. He's a te- popular television personality in Thailand. Well, ni hao. Yes. Oh, wait, that's Chinese. I, I yeah, I think so. Okay. But the point is, he, he wrote to me, and uh, I thought I'd solved his problem. He was asking about a movie that he recalls seeing when he lived out in Los Angeles when he and I were roommates. And he said it was like heavy metal, and it was about this kid that, that goes to another planet, gets a big musculature, and is bald. And I said, yeah, that's, that's heavy metal. You're actually remembering heavy right. metal. He said, no, there was this other thing where there was this World War II soldier. And this is why I thought it went with, because I know there was a World War II section, but wait for to describe this. And he finds like a bombed out uh, building, and there's, an empty, there's a piano, and he plays the piano, and it turns into this great musical number and sort of like... Revive, sort of like you know, he has this fantasy about the cabaret happening or something, Just and then he gets shot at the end. One small clarification: yeah, in in college, you guys did drugs together? No, no, oh, okay, no, this was not one of those guys. Okay, no, he was uh, he was well, no, yeah, he was pretty uh, clean at the time. He was actually the number one pop star in Thailand. It was very uh, bizarre. He's moved on to just being a television personality, but. Uh, so the basis of this is a World War II soldier goes into a building and, and finds a magic piano. And somehow, piano. and somehow, the, well, no, I mean that he has a fantasy about what it was like when the oh when he re envisions what it was yes, like when and, it was like. And, and, and Sudi claims that it it was animated, and I'm thinking, well, heavy metal probably sparked a couple of, of well, rip offs, or you know, there was tropo non tropo, allegro non tropo, allegro non tropo. That's a good. Maybe yeah. that is. I'm, maybe I, that's Allegro non I actually was in college when I saw that one. But I mean, we'll told it. It doesn't mean that he saw that it. That it, that's when it came. No, out. that means that I may not have been entirely um, able to right. determine or remember things. I'm correctly. impressed that you could remember uh, Topo Gigi. Allegro, Did you say? Yeah. Allegro non tropo. That may be what it is. Okay, but uh, uh, just for the everyone else's knowledge, I have never heard of that movie in my entire life. We we understand, Lon, but there's very little you actually fast, have but not run. too fast. I've heard of heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, so this is a plea to our listeners because I th- I told them I was going to you know get my squad of geeks here and okay so the Family Planet podcast crew that's here tonight I and Goodson would be and Goodson would be no help uh, because he knows less than than Lon. Rat Patrol. <laughs> Rat Patrol? He doesn't even know who that is. Well, uh, what about... I, 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 I'm, car- I'm cautious to, to say this. I'm going to have to pause and edit this out later. But Good thinking, Lon. Anyway, we uh, so we're putting this out to the listeners. If any of you... If this plot description reminds you of a, of a, of a film, if, you, if you've seen Allegro Non Tropo recently, and boy, i got to dig out a copy... Uh, you know, whatever. If, if if this sounds familiar, please write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. and then you might get your letter read verbatim on the air as the next two we're going to read. We got two two direct emails to fanboy. Letters. Planet. We, we get, get letters. Mm-hmm. We get your letters. 
Mm-hmm. This first uh, letter comes from Mr. Rahim Jamal Standifer. I don't know where he is. He didn't say where he was from. but uh, Burbank. Could be. Is it, do you know him? It doesn't no. matter where he's from. He's from Burbank? He's no. right here with us. You know so, what I mean? <clears throat> little Rahim writes, So I thought I'd send you guys an email. That way you'd have something to talk about on the podcast. Yay. By the way, there's too much crosstalk on the podcast. Almost as bad as on The View. Ooh. But more estrogen here. Yeah, so which one of you is Elizabeth? Sting. Not that I watch The View, really, seriously. What are you all looking forward to the most as far as movies this year? I can't wait for The Dark Knight after I saw the trailer with Heath Ledger. I wasn't really sold on him when it was announced he would play the Joker, but the trailer had me convinced. Also want to see Iron Man, Indiana Jones, and Star Trek. I know there's probably more, but it's all I can think of. And what are your thoughts on the Justice League movie? I've got two reactions right off, right off the bat. It's and like, also, but he says, okay, there's your listener email. Love the podcast. So you brought it all okay, home. Okay, okay, okay. So brought it all home. Thank first you, off, After Rahim. accusing me of being Joy Behar. First off, I think... You're Barbara Walters. Our <laughs> first thing. Yeah, no. First thing I think. Um, I am a lawyer. Our crosstalk is what makes us charming. That's what I think. Okay. So that being said, and now he, the movies he's looking forward to again. Things we've talked about. No, the no, dark, no, no, no. The, the, the I just want to run that down because it just struck me as something. The Dark Knight. Right. Iron Man. Batman. Uh, the, the, the latter part. Star Trek. Iron Man, Indiana Jones, and Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> I, for some reason, it felt like we we're listing movies from like 1980, right? This is true. If you throw if you throw Iron Man out, yeah. So there was always rumors in 1980 that Batman was going to be there. That was when Bill Murray was going to play him. Yeah. Wait a minute. Isn't wait? You said Iron Man, Indiana Jones, and Star Trek. Aren't they all Paramount Pictures? Interesting. Do we have a Paramount spy uh, here? Well, you know what I would say? No, but we could go with a sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Paramount, if you call us. Legitimately, not after a Cloverfield review. Oh. Uh, legitimately, uh, I think those are all three movies other people really do want to see. I, you know, just, yeah. It's just coincidence. Yeah. I think we've already talked about what we're looking for yeah, the most. I, but yeah, okay, right to pick, okay, so pick, pick your most excited one, though. Iron Man. I am strangely excited for Iron Man, but I think I've mentioned. I it. know what you were. You know where I'm going. Speed, Speed Racer. Racer. Yeah. Okay, well that wasn't on the list. Here he comes. Okay. Well, he asked us our most anticipated one. Right. This is what I'm actually the most eager I for. I would say that yeah, I'm probably. Lon and I saw the poster last night. It has been online, man. but what the what the uh, what you see it on an online image doesn't capture is that thing's 3D. What is it like a uh, pen? Uh, a, uh, a lenticular. A lenticular. Oh lordy, it is beautiful, and I want it in my home. Okay. Oh, it was like you cool. could step into the Mach Five. How, t- how big is it? I mean, the, the lenticular is like feet tall, or something. It was like whatever standard poster size, you know, a movie it's poster like size. It was four by two and a half. Wow, four by wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> so it was. Uh, I, I was just. I stopped and drooled, and. Uh, <laughs> That's because really Cloverfield, I, it's not motion sickness, but <laughs> it was a little schmooch. But, uh, you know. It, so Okay, so we're we're all really anticipating Speed Racer just because it looks like so much. It looks mm-hmm. it doesn't look like eye candy. It looks like an eye sugar overdose. I, it does. Okay. It does. But and, after, and rumor is it's going to be G-rated. Wow. I can, I, you know, it's kind of expected, I think. And I think that's great. Yeah. I think that's absolutely great that, that if that's if that is true, the rumor has been – then more power to him. You know, I've been saying it all along. I, 
the film might make my number one criteria for a Speed Racer movie, which is it's got to have the car acrobatic team. Here's my here's my argument to that. I know we're way ahead. We haven't talked about comic book movies, but that's okay. My argument to that is the car acrobatic team. You got to say something for a sequel. Um, no. And they did announce the actual this week they released the car, a vi- image of the cars that he's racing against. They're, they've actually got a real Japanese racing team that they've built futuristic cars for. Doesn't look to me like they're necessarily the car acrobatic team, but they okay. are very interesting shapes. So they've created. I well, think, all they have to have is, I mean, the car acrobatic team is all the same style car. Then this this could be the car acrobatic yeah. team, and Rick could be a happy boy coming yeah. fifth. Okay. So uh, the other movies, though. Well, no, no. He also. Oh, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I think Dark Knight is given a Warner Brothers film. Yeah. I mean, we're all excited about the Dark Knight. I think I think they're all taking the right bend on these things. So mm-hmm. Indiana Jones, Harrison Ford is an old old man now. So mm-hmm. you bring in Shia, and LeBuff, you yeah. and you bring back uh, Marion, and you throw in. A hot Nazi, uh, <laughs> uh, communist, communist. So oh, yeah, sorry, she's a Soviet. Sorry, it's a hot right, Soviet. It's after the uh, war, is Cape Blanchard. Right? Yeah, it's the Cold Cape War. Blanchard. It's the Cold War. So fifty-eight. So I, I finally got my hands on the right. actual the Vanity, Vanity Fair, Fair. Mm-hmm. last night when I was in the airport, and yeah, that's 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 pretty darn exciting. Yeah. I think you, you, these movies are all making the right kind of changes for sequels. Well, as I said, for two thousand eight, it's just the, it's a year of two thousand eight uh, is great. Because I can get over Speed Racer, I can you know once I you know then I get Indiana Jones, then I get Iron Man. I'm even looking. I'm, I was so petrified when I heard about Star Trek. And if I recover from May, then the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, okay. comes in yeah. June. And then Dark Knight. Still not convinced. July. I'm still not convinced on the Hulk. But I'm willing to be convinced because it seems I to me to that they. I, I absolutely want to. Yeah. You and know then, what though? That's, Star Trek, right? That Hulk's coming pretty soon. You think they're going to yeah. have all the digital effects and everything done by then? See, that's one of those things. We had when did we get the Iron Man trailer, and how far away is it? Yeah, and I, they were trailer. working on Iron. Like they had announced Iron Man the Comic Con before. Then the Comic Con this last summer, they showed the trailer. Yeah, I see yeah. what you're and saying. Now it's, it's been two years. But I'm. But here's what I think is they are. They have the basic. They had the basics of that effects technology from the Ang Lee film. Uh, I, think, I, I will be reassured if they have a, an Iron Man style trailer within the next month or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If they so don't, restore then it's our fans' faith. Same story with uh, Star Trek. I mean, I've, the only thing they've done so far for Star Trek promo has been that one sheet poster that has the logo on it mm-hmm. and the uh, the. And they have given Zachary Quinto earlobes, which I never really noticed he doesn't have. Uh-huh. So because Leonard Nimoy has them, and he's been complaining in the press that that's the only downside he hadn't thought of. Mm. That's the only one. <laughs> was oh, and to answer the second part of his question, what do we all think of Justice League? I want you guys to answer it in one word. Derek, you go first. I'm I'm tabling that because I had some. We we're gonna. I was gonna we're gonna come back thing. to it later. We're gonna come back to Justice League. All right. League. So Raheem, we'll get your answer later. Okay. Uh, Stephen was Nelson. his name Raheem? Raheem. Okay, good. I want to. Stephen Nelson, fanboy planet favorite, here, uh, has come in. I'm writing in. I'm writing in already. Uh, I guess you have to read that with a, you know, kvetching voice. Okay, here's a proposal for you all. I'm not Southern. This but is I'm, not how Stephen sounds. I'm turning to Joy Behar. I'm not Southern, but I admire the syntax structure. To either implement, mock, or whatever. As you know, I'm a relative newbie in the realm of comics. I know just enough to follow the podcast. So the question is, 
and then this will segue us nicely to comics, where to start? Does it even make sense to try to wade through the twisted mass of tangled stickiness that is Spider-Man at this point? Last time I dropped by, I was suggested The Authority and The Walking Dead, both great reads, which I will review if provoked. Eh. What else is a good starting point? And I got one. To answer the question, though, about Spider-Man is right now the whole point of the tangled mess is brand new day starts it over. Yeah. I hate to say it, but yeah. It was, you know, if I wasn't so angry about what had happened before. Yep. Um, but it's a very opportunistic letter. I mean, it's, that's the point. That is the point. And you, you know, could start with brand new day. And the only but if you were gonna so so let's give them like three titles for Marvel and three titles for DC that as are good far as, as starting as point, good starting points right now. So um, I think you can always jump in on Batman Detective. Yeah, Paul Dini has been doing a really good job of making that sort of you know standalone stories that have a connection. What Grant Morrison needs to call consistent continuity, not. Yeah. You know, or consistent characterization that you know there's certain ground rules, but you can go into any of those Paul Dini stories and and read a really good Batman story. So good, good suggestion. So I have two others, but what do you what do you think? Uh, I've got one. Okay. Well, if I were going to say a starting point, it, I mean, what because he, he was saying like think the Authority and and The Walking Dead. He went right. back about trade paperbacks. So right. I would say go back, pick up on the DC side, Fables. Which we've sure. before, I, and I think because he'd probably have that whimsical. But I think Jonah Hex is a great book. It's a great book. It's it's uh, it's kind of a standalone. It's definitely a standalone. There's no crossover. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just launched a Batlash miniseries that sort of yeah, sort yeah, of. Spun I'm not out. reading that. I'm totally reading Jonah Hex. But uh, the Batlash miniseries is really good. The nice, the really nice thing about Jonah Hex is. They're all single issue stories with maybe one or two. I think when they did the origin, they did like a yeah. two or three parter. But so, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, you could jump in that at just about any time. You could jump into that. Great book. Yeah, great book. So I, you know, if you just want to buy a single issue, pick up a Jonah Hex. Yep. Absolutely. My stretch was going to be Justice League. I would go with that. Yeah, because that gets you a lot of. From there, you can kind of get a taste of the whole DCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a stretch because. It really feels when you're reading that that you're missing a lot of the backstory because the story is the story is moving with so many characters so fast and mm-hmm. they're making they have illusions they have backstory with the things that are coming up and Wayne McDuffie is wrapping up other plot lines like yeah. Firestorm whatever was happening in Firestorm has been just been folded into Justice League of America which is nothing new yeah. I mean that's often happened in comics that uh, you know if one series dies out it's going to be finished out someplace else. Um, though I really did not like the art, I've got to say I did kind of had to do a little revisit of the Howard the Duck miniseries, mm-hmm. and the story was actually like it turned out to be very classically Howard. The first issue was really rough. Yeah, I'm still reading it. But the second through fourth issues, it, it brought it to a good finish. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's kind of loony the the whole Duck Hunters. But thing it's satirical. And, I mean, it's yeah. exactly what Steve Gerber was doing with him in the first place. And the Modot, um, Modot, the <laughs> mechanism designed only, only for talking. <laughs> yeah, that I was have my contribution to this list will be for the 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 starter reader. Yeah, because clearly, it, and it's not someone who wants to get but immediately I, I, bogged down in a universe. And this is a book you guys have spoke really highly of in the past. Mm-hmm. I just recently read the first two issues. I bought the first eight because they're still on the shelves. Um is a book that 
for me as a comic lover, basically, you know, the backstory is is I'm kind of off comics right now. I've been turned off by Civil War mm-hmm. and all the other books and everything. And your heroin habit. That too. And uh, but I just haven't really been excited about reading books. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because it just lost its flair and it's fun. Yeah. So on a recommendation from our lovely Steve here, Steve Simonetti from the shop, the uh, manager of Elusive Comics correct. and Games. Um, he suggested a good read was The Brave and the Bold. Yeah. The the new reissue from DC. You didn't tell me that, it was, that the Steve that had done that. Way to go, Steve! Yes. So, um, basically, I've only read the first two. Now, here's the thing. It has Green Lantern in it. And we all know Green Lantern has this convoluted back continuity problems, stories, everything mm-hmm. else. Right. You would never know that reading this book. Nor should a new reader know that. Exactly. Yeah. And you for, might be a little wondering in the first issue why Batman's kind of pissed at him. Yeah, but you, you know, know but on the other hand, Batman's always pissed. Honestly, yeah. I didn't get that in the first issue. I didn't feel it. Okay. Anyways, um, it satisfied my feeling. You know, as a as a longtime comic reader, lifelong comic reader, and it said, "Hey, this is like if I just started turning, like watching an episode of the Super Friends or something or some show, and I just jumped right exactly. into the story." Well, it feels nothing. like it feels like a throwback to when comics were the kind of thing you could just pick up every now right, and then. Right, exactly. Well, and Brave and the Bold. It's a throwback to what Brave and the Bold was. Yep. Uh, you know, I said that was that was always its own little continuity in and of itself. And you know, it, and the thing is, art's good, story's great. Like the second issue was about the uh, the gambling planet, which. You know, that's something, like, original, and it's got sci-fi. Was that, was that Green Lantern and Supergirl? And Supergirl, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. So that was a great issue. And so but it, just, it brings in so many great... I mean, again, it's a, it's a trip through the DC Universe sure. yep. without having to know a dang thing about any of the characters, right. except... There is kind hey, of that's a, a cool there idea. There is kind of a meta story there, but you don't need right. it. Right. There's the, an ongoing that, you know, if you do follow the arc, you know, it's... But I'm just saying, as... Like, I read that second issue, and I totally didn't need to read the first one because, you know, Green Lantern just says, oh, I'm following up this thing on this. And so, you know, granted, I haven't read the rest of them. I've just read the first two. But as for a jumping off point or a jumping on point for, you know, a a new reader. If you like superheroes, if you like the concept of superheroes, Brave and the Bold is the DC book to pick up. That's my call. And I don't think right now Marvel has a comparable title they have interesting stories. Like I'd say, The Order... What about, what about your Deadpool book? No. Actually, no, because you do have to understand oh, okay. way too much X... Ex- yeah. Because Deadpool is aware of himself as a comic book character and constantly talking about there are, there are continuity problems he has, depending on who writes him. And that's... It's, you know, it's, it's too meta. Mark Wade is writing a straight-up this is a comic book. They are not aware of themselves. This is just... It exists in its it own exists. universe. It's, 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 it's harder Marvel. I mean, we already mentioned Spider-Man. I think that's that's the attempt there is to, to do a restart. And it was fair, except that I, I yeah. think that what's going on with, with Spider-Man, the jackpot, the yeah. initiative superhero who's a red-headed former supermodel yeah. who calls her enemies Tiger. Yeah. Mm. Is like, nah, who's that supposed to be? I, you know, it could totally I, I'm be sure, I'm sure it's misdirection because yeah. Dan Slott's too good a writer. Yeah. And that's what made me, like I say, I have to at least look at it yeah. because I love Dan Slott. He wrote that She-Hulk book. It was great, but I wouldn't recommend She-Hulk to someone either, and that's the frustration. You know, yeah. It's like uh, too many of these things are winks yeah, and nods Oddly enough, there are two that I would 
I would tend to recommend. Okay. I mean, you'd have to go back a couple issues to pick up the little story, but Captain America. Oh, hey, you know, yeah, Steve, you want to drop – this is back to Steve Nelson here. You want to drop 75 bucks? <laughs> That's what it would cost. That Captain America at Brubaker Omnibus? Great. That – is probably There's one of not the, anything in that that isn't great. I mean, it's great storyline, great art, just the pacing. And the then, whole, and we mentioned it before. Right. If Steve walks in here next week, as he's threatening he might do, I would I would also point him to Planet Hulk. Yep, yep. I would absolutely point him. To that. But I'm going to surprise you with the other one. Okay, Iron Man. Not surprised. No. Okay. For a character that I do not like, I am finding myself totally absorbed by the by the new Iron Man by the director director Shield. Shield. Yeah. Yeah. That whole direction and everything about that, it's like, I tried reading the Warren Ellis Iron Man. It was like, it was interesting, but it was so slow. And, yeah. it, and it bothered me that they kept making him look like Tom Cruise before Robert Downey Jr. got cast. <laughs> Which they were, because at one point Tom Cruise wanted to play him. And I don't think he would have captured the yeah. right nuance. But, uh, but you know, once this Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing started, I was like, oh, the first issue was like, oh, boo-hoo, Tony, you screwed everything up. Yeah. And then they're actually making me go, well, I'm, I'm really interested. I'm not... I'm still annoyed at you, but and then that Iron Man annual where he went to Madripoor. That was a great. It was like, oh, well, that was fun. That was like a James I would Bond read movie. that Iron Man, you know. So yeah, I thought yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to argue with it, with you on that one. I, but Captain America was. I don't know why I don't think about that Captain America more often because I do think that's and even the continuing issues without Cap actually in it have been fabulous too. All right. Been great. Yeah. We'll see what happens when you send letters into our show. You make us talk longer. <laughs> you give us topics. That's awesome. And, Thank but you. But we're talking about you. So why don't we just close the old email vault for this week and move along. <laughs> and we can continue talking about comics, which is that a title that I, I loved but was unfortunately bogged down, I think, by, well, now there's no problem with the writer's strike, but, but Alan Heinberg, who was a television writer, uh, created the Young Avengers, mm-hmm. which was a really good book. It was a fun book. It was a fun book, and then they just sort of went, well, it kind of fell behind, so they're doing this idea of, like, well, volume well, one's closed. I don't know like if it fell behind. Ultimate. I think it the middle of it hit the Civil War, and they yeah. didn't know what to do with it, right? Yeah, that's true. Then there was the Young Avengers Runaways crossover. Yeah. Another book. Boy, Joss is way behind. I haven't, yeah, I haven't seen Runaways in a, that in a while. Um, although that one, I should say, back to Steve Nelson, by Runaways. Yep. The, the issues of Runaways are great. Yeah. You don't need to know anything about the Marvel Universe. But um, anyway, but the Young Avengers are returning next week with a, a series of, I guess, a miniseries focusing on the different different members. I have high hopes. I haven't I haven't read it yet. I do actually have it. Uh, it was in the preview stack this week. But uh, I'm, I'm having high hopes because I loved the Young Avengers series. I thought it was really clever and, and a good way to... That original series is probably worth... Going back and picking up too because it was. I, I would actually recommend reading that before reading the new one because the reveals in that were so much fun. When yeah, really? all the, just, the characters were a mystery at the beginning, and you didn't, I didn't love it. No? I didn't love. I didn't think it was terrible. I just felt like it was trying too hard to be a Teen Titans. The, or yeah, some I would say the one kinda, okay. the one flaw in it was the recasting in a way that they were doing with Young Avengers. What happened with Young Justice? So we had division. Who already was right. the Vision of the Red Tornado? Well, like showed Red up, Tornado they yeah. showed up at about the same time in in the '60s, and here they then started serving exactly the same purpose in two different team books, being the mentor figure, yeah. the database, and uh, well, that hit a little too close to home. But I thought the art was great. 
I, I thought the reveals were good. I was wondering, you know, in, in some ways they, they were fun. They weren't awe inspiring or anything. Just no, like, they were just little fun things, and 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 that have had then things like you know what's going on now with the uh, scroll, right? The Secret invasion, which right. is you know, while I'm not particularly excited necessarily about that event, the fact is that over in Young Avengers, there is a character that is absolutely, absolutely got to be crucial to that. Right, half right. scroll and half creep. Runaways. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Thor guy. Yeah. The Asgardian, no. no, the Asgardian is Wiccan. Oh, right. um, the no, Hulkling, 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 Hulkling was actually is Captain Marvel's son with a Skrull princess. What? Yes. So he's a which shape. Captain Marvel? The first one or the second one? First one. Yeah, the, okay. the first one. So, um, yeah, he got around, didn't he? He did. Yeah. He's got three superhero children. Wow! And now he's back alive again, so he can do it some more, right? Moving right along. Maybe. Um, <laughs> why must you always drag us through the mud? Captain Marvel player. Send your letters to editor at, at thefanboyplanet.com and I will forward them to lawn at moronlive.com. Cosmic player. Oh, he is. He is. Uh, I think we can actually. I mean, think about it though. As a player, it doesn't uh, Captain Marvel have like omnipresence? He's or something? cosmically aware. Cosmically aware. He knows he's what they want to hear. Exactly. He knows so exactly what to say. So he's the perfect oh. pickup artist, right? <laughs> right. Oh. <laughs> He's gaming them. Your yeah. daddy left you? Anyway. Uh, yeah. It's like, you remind me of <laughs> the Crab Marvel. Nebula in Sector 4. He know, gets whatever. to play Uncle Marvel. Uh, so uh, we got one more mainstream book you want to talk about. You said this week that you are getting actually finally um, kind of caught up and enjoying Countdown, a book that we've sort of... It took them like, uh, what, 36 issues to get yes, here. Yes, it did. But uh, I'm, they're in 16 right now is the last one I read. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually getting involved and in, in thinking, yeah, this is actually turning into a decent story. I wish they had a decent editor for the first uh, 30-some-odd books. Yeah, and I would say that what's been happening, too, you, I think you you don't need to go back, but Arena, having read Arena helps yeah. a bit yeah. to what's been happening the last couple of issues, which was Arena's purpose, you know, so. We had the big reveal on the monitors, and you had the, the, the show, the the. The talk down from um, what's the big dad's name? Uh, uh, Captain Adam. Um, Monarch. Monarch. Monarch and Bob. And yeah. Monarch talks Bob to tears. <laughs> that was just like Hillary Clinton. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. exactly. I'm voting for Bob now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bob's the one that cried. Yeah, I know. So is Hillary. Uh, I'm, I'm just voting for Monarch <laughs> okay. or, or Giuliani. I think they're the same. Yeah. So 9/11. <laughs> but I, I can't I can't wait to see what's going to happen between. Uh, yeah, you still have to put that into a complete sense. Subject verb nine eleven. Okay. If uh, no, um, I'm, there's a cream for that. I, I'm I'm so pumped to find out in fifteen the reaction between Batman and uh, and and Tim uh, or, t- uh, uh, Jason. Red. Jason and Jason, yeah. Jason Todd, yeah, yeah, that's got to be that the Batman on the perfect Earth stays psychotic. Yeah. I kind of like that. I <laughs> love that. He's all in the, the bat bunker. All the superheroes retire except Bruce Wayne, who armors up. Yeah, <laughs> after executing all the supervillains. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, sort of a perfect who, world. Who was the last uh, writer who wrote in? Stephen. Stephen Nelson. Yeah, that's the book you don't want to pick up, <laughs> no, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. Don't it'll, jump onto that. It'll hurt. Yeah. Also having a Although cross- I would like to see that storyline, the Perfect Earth and Batman and- <laughs> crusading to kill Holly. <laughs> I'd like to. I'd love to read boom, boom. twelve issues of that. 
I think that was uh, Fred Heck Hambeck destroys the DC Universe. <laughs> I think that was done in the or did he destroy the DC Universe? The Marvel, Marvel Universe. Universe. I thought he did both. I thought they allowed him to do both, but I, maybe not. I don't remember the DC. I remember the Marvel one. I thought I he did. was a Marvel guy the whole way, but I don't know. Uh, uh, he did some DC stuff. I think he does crossover stuff in some of the trade magazines. Uh, my fa- well, no, he because he did. I think he worked with Vinny Coletta for a while. Shut up! Oh, okay. shut up! <laughs> You're We're pressing sorry, my Fred. button. Oh. We're so sorry, Fred. Yeah, and first of all, that's an insult to Fred, but mm. uh, to Hambeck, who had a strip in DC, in DC Direct Currents, in the back of the book every month, and I remember the. Fred has many more facial. <laughs> yes, many more facial expressions <laughs> than Vin- Vinnie Coletta did. Mm. My favorite being where uh, Hawkman was talking about uh, his. Uh, the battle axe. He'd like to go out, but the battle axe wouldn't let him. And Hawk Girl walks up and goes, Hey, I'm talking about my ancient weaponry. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious when I was 11. Uh, <laughs> where he goes, Woo. <laughs> yeah, where is the modern humor comic? They don't have that anymore. Well, do they? Marvel's been trying with those mini Marvels that show up every now and then in the back of their books. And uh, Howard the Duck. Those are cute kitty ones. I'm talking about like the what does on the. Yeah, you know, we, need, on the, we need him back. We need him back to be a lot more active yeah. than he was because he's. He was dang sharp. Mm. Yep. But uh, that's because kids today, they have no sense of history. You need not a sense of history to no enjoy humor with back. In my day, we had not brand ick. <laughs> yes. Holy crap, you're old. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even have that. I, the best I had for Marvel was Spoof. Uh, yeah, I had every issue of Spoof. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Not brand heck. Not brand ick. Wow. Oh, Wow. Okay, moving on. Um, what do we have next? Didn't you uh, write to me this week describing something as a hoot as well? Well, yes, you I are did. just. <laughs> I did. It was in context. Buy war bonds, kids. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, another major cosmic crossover happening in the DC universe isn't the DC universe, the Wildstorm universe is doing that. Armageddon. Do we care? I'm putting a bunch of no. them in a pile. I'm going to read through them, but I haven't read them. Okay, yet. so I'm going to get back to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Wait, wait. You just said. Could you repeat the first part of that whole thing? You just said another. What'd you say? Another Cosmic event. crossover in the DC universe, but not really the DC universe. Is the Wildstorm universe? Right. Wildstorm Armageddon. I'm sorry. I have crossover fatigue, and another crossover in another universe. It's all about the bleed, man. Oh, yeah, I'm just saying it's like, come on, dude. I know, I come know. On. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not Armageddon it. Okay? And I, I had bought the Midnighter special and I, and about that, and I was like, I didn't know if that was turning into something larger. And then, I Midnighter's don't know. Midnighter's actually one that does go to the top of my read pile. I don't He's know why. He's the gay guy, right? Yeah. Okay. He's the gay Batman character. Right, right, right. But you know, it's not even fair to call him Batman because he's been genetically enhanced. Well, if if... What's his name is Superman. It's like the world's yeah, finest. Yeah, I know, but but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, so let's get away from the big two. Uh, I just wanted to give a shout out. I haven't read anything. I don't know anything about this, but I do want to promote strictly shameless friend of Fanboy Planet, Rob Worley, who was the founder of ComicsToFilm.com uh, and helped really put uh, Fanboy Planet sort of in the map on the map. He is writing a book coming out from Image with Shannon, Eric Denton, and Keith Geff- Giffen who created the book, he's writing it, called The Revenant, about, uh, uh, I guess, a, super na- a city where the supernatural exists and the superhero basically goes around wiping all the, uh, you know, again, doing the Batman of Earth-51 thing and killing all the su- supervillains. Okay. So a scary as hell. So it's like Batman meets Ghostbusters, right? Uh, sort of with the shadow thrown in, a lot more okay. supernatural. So 
Uh, it's coming out, I believe. Uh, it's in the previews right now, so uh, I'm going to be running pre- preview art tomorrow. Cool. Uh, I'm almost done correcting all my finals, so I can actually do something for the site this week. That's why the site has two podcasts back to back in it. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. It's, I am just so swamped. The holidays took a lot out of us. It's okay. They did. They did. They did. Well, they made me dizzy. They you keep on that. giving. I've still got this vertigo, and I can't. Kim Novak's not easing my pain. Uh, yeah. So uh, let's mention the Revenant. With another, but a book that we read. Last week, you and I read last week, written again by someone I say, let's say, a friend of Fanboy Planet because he's done a couple of interviews. He's done probably the most interesting interview we've ever had on Was a it podcast. Josh or Joshua when we were Joshua, recording. well, professionally, he's Joshua M. Dysart. Right. But he lets us call him J. Yep. Dice. No, he doesn't. But, uh, <laughs> so I wrote to him, Josh, if you're listening, or Joshua, if you're listening, I wrote to you and I used the familiar Josh form, and immediately I thought, do I have the right to use that form? No, you don't. I, I okay. do. Okay. Sorry. No, because we played lunch money together, and, and uh, oh, I, I beat him, I Is think. that a euphemism? No, no, oh, really. It's uh, Because here to lose the comics game. and games, you can buy a lot of games. And so we were sitting around for the signing, and we bought lunch money, and uh, so we played it. And uh, It's a good game. I think I broke his nose, metaphorically. Yes. Uh, so so B- what did he do? BPRD. Yes. Number one. So there's a subtitle to it. Uh, it's 1946. 1946. 1946. With Dr. Broom. The, uh, great timely because we, if you've seen... Uh, I can't believe... I, I forgot that I, I'm excited about this. Hellboy 2, The Golden Army coming out this summer as well. Yep. So there's BPRD set in the Hellboy universe. And uh, so talk about it, Rick. I, you know, I read it, but I don't want to dominate. Uh, you know, I just don't expect anything but great art from this guys, these guys. So I don't, I don't even want to comment on the art. It's, it's right was, up there with all the BPR. That was a Jay Anacleto. That was the same guy, wasn't it, that drew uh, Potter's Field for Boom? Yeah, I think. Which I liked that. It was kind of interesting. South American from the South American art school. Does Magnolia? Mignola. Mignola do the breakdowns for all the pages? Uh, I think he just approves it. Okay. Because they all have the same flavor. They, yeah. It's the same brooding color scheme. He does a nice job of picking artists that look that don't look like him, but look enough that you believe it's not like the jarring thing. It's not like seeing Bruce Tim draw them or something, which might be interesting too. But. So this, this takes place in the post-World War II Soviet... U.S. occupied Germany. Yes. And the BPRD guys are in there trying to collect artifacts. And the Soviets apparently have been doing a much better job at collecting so far. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, all that aside, and you have all these kind of like walking through the warehouse of Mm -hmm. Indiana Jones trinkets everywhere. I know, yeah. And you have that creepy girl, little girl in the Tea Party dress who's in charge of the Soviet team. Great characterization. What I loved most about this was I was learning about post-World War II Germany and the problems they had in this broke-down state of of occupation and what it must have been like. And I don't think I've ever even thought about that period of history in that area. So that that was... It's rare that they find a good way to dramatize that, you know, and here we are as geeks. You have to throw in some supernatural or some superhero something to make us read about history, and and we feel very educated. And, I mean, but it proved from, you know, Joshua's... Uh, interview with us. I mean, this is a really smart writer. Yeah, yes, uh, and he's deep. I, you know, I mean, he's got he's got a sense of humor because, that rubs some co- corporate types the wrong oh, way. Oh, absolutely. So that's an off-air story. But 
Yes, because uh, of that demon miniseries. However, but brilliant, but brilliant, and and the unknown soldier. I mean, I talk to people about that all the time. The, where I just talk about you know why if if people are saying you know you, know, you read comics that kind of thing back to. Back to listeners who have written in before and said, you know, what do you do when somebody makes fun of you for this? And I, and it's like, well, I talked to this guy, Josh Dysart, and he educated me about something. About a real-world pro- real problem. A real-world problem that I think by the time his comic book comes out, he's going to look prescient. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's going to be a flavor of the week in the news by the time The Unknown Soldier comes out, and he and he's on top of it. Yeah. And he cares. Through his own personal research and travel. Yes. Yeah, certainly done more. You know, if DC were to give me money to research a book, I'd I'd just go to the library. I use the money on Slurpees, <laughs> something <laughs> foolish. Yes. <laughs> and Derek's book is called Couch Potato. Oh, wait, sh- yeah, I'm not ready to sorry. announce. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so anyway, but a BPRD book that doesn't have that mostly does not contain any of the current BPRD characters. And there's only two members of the BPRD. And it's, and they're dead in current continuity. Yeah. So awesome. I loved it. I loved it too. <laughs> BPRD. Go check it out everybody. Another thing that they're hoping we'll check out, Jenna Jameson's Shadow Hunter released a from check Virgin it out. Comics. Really you want to use that phrase? <laughs> I did. Okay. It was it was it was something akin to wit. Yes. Akin to it. Uh, the Zero issue came out last week for a quarter, wasn't it? It was free. Was it free? No, it was a quarter. I think it was a quarter. I think it was a quarter. What about those damn whores. <laughs> with those virgins. With about six pages of actual story and then a lot of pinups. There were, I mean, to be fair to Lon's opinion of the book, there were a lot of pinups. Yes. And I'm not sure if, aside from the cover, I mean, very canny, they already show, like, the, among the pinups were... The alternate issue two covers by both Greg Horn and Greg Land, the two uh, guys that give fanboyism a really bad name, <laughs> and yet we buy their art. Uh, real pinups. Real pinups. Uh, but aside from the cover art, I'm not sure that the character in Shadowhunter really is supposed to be Jenna Jameson. Really? Because I I, it's I, never really supposed to be her. She's supposed to be playing it. Right. I, mean, ideally, it even, I didn't even think the art looked like her on the interiors. Well, I mean, she's you know she's kind of plastic and cartoony in real life. I mean, anyways, um, they went more realistic with the art. Did they? Yeah. Okay. Well, she. It was. It's not so much supposed to be her, but she's basically supposed to be coming up with all the ideas. So. I think originally they wanted it to be a, a movie vehicle for her to star in later. Well, so. I know that that's what they're. That's what all uh, that's the Virgin, are That's like. what Virgin's plan. But I mean, not just Virgin's. Everybody's plan right now is to do that. I mean, because that's where, where it goes. That's where the money is, baby. No. We can mock it, but can't it's argue true. It. You can't argue it. If you're not DC and you're not Marvel, your hope of actually making money off of your comic is to sell it. To uh, something else, to license it to some other medium. So you know, right? So. Like the Smurfs. So you read right. it? I did read it, and um, it reminded me a lot of of the Top Cow kind of books, and it's not and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You mean like a witch blade or a darkness? Yeah. Well, kind of the, thing? the author, the actual writer, is Christina Z, who wrote Witchblade for a long time. Coincidence? Uh, I think not. Uh, but, you know, I'm not all that impressed with the Top Cow stuff. I mean, I read it and it always kind of feels the same to me. And it's Does it feel more like Middle Cow? Mm, I might go with that. Okay. okay. 
Uh, we made the one comic book joke that Annie, Annie could get tonight. I don't, think so, she, I don't think she heard it. Oh, okay, good. I think she was laughing at something else. It was just awkward timing. All right. Uh-huh. Hey, another shot. Uh so yeah, I, I just feel I, I'm not a big fan of that of that kind of all those top cow variations on the same the heaven and hell. Yeah, different. You know, I I don't know. It just it, it felt a little tired to me. But I think you know the big selling point obviously is Jen Jameson and the covers. Yeah, she's a little tired. You know <laughs> <what I> mean? <laughs> now, now, now. Someday we might meet her. Um, and. You didn't actually meet her this summer, did you? Just, you just no, but I asked her a lot dis- of questions. You stared from a distance. So, you know, I, yeah. I what did you think? I, I mean, I thought the art was. I've read it yet. Oh, okay, it didn't make it up in the pile yet. Uh, the, I, and the pinups were interesting, and a lot of them were like con- conceptual art from future issues. Okay. Well, give us. Can you give us like a one? What was the one line premise? It's a hot chick. It's the who, movie version of Constantine. Somebody who fights her. lost souls. She or? can see good, and she can see angels and demons, and she's got a fight the shadows back okay okay right. and she's been that way from birth interesting and so and not and quite what understanding fight is them she with? a solo person part of an organization i didn't or? say the six okay. the six pages were more like like figuring out like going what the heck is this and then she fought something you know? okay and you're not sure if there's been like this huge are we missing or do we have a gap that it's, then the series is going to be that explanation of how she got to that point mm. i mean it's six pages for a quarter sure. it's really just to kind of tease us all yep and that's what the internet's for Okay. So, I mean, that's all that we got in comics this week. Now it's time for movies! Wow, I, I kind of like that. It's, it's, it's a, little, a little sharp in my ears. A little, a little unexpected. Well, should we start off with the movie review? That uh, Whatever you, what, you know, Whatever's on that little sexy list of yours. A long anticipated because a really good marketing campaign, if nothing and else. And a movie we have reported on. Since we first saw the trailer, since, we, since since we said that can't be the title, so we've been part of the hype machine. And then ironically, machine. it was the title. Not ironically, that's that's, that's you know, yes. Adequate. But did we not look it up on the air? Rick had his yes. his yes. his handy handheld device, looked it up and said the movie is called Cloverfield, just just like that. And uh, so Lon and I ventured out last night and saw Cloverfield to the streets of New York. Uh, Streets of Milpitas. Okay, whatever. Same thing. Yeah. Uh, but this just in. Text message from Michael Goodson. Your mom is a scroll. Mm. Nice. Thank you, Michael. That's so worth the trouble I'm going to get from my wife for having received a text message. <laughs> yes. Uh, when I don't have that feature on my bill. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Woo! Anyway. Uh, yeah, so we saw Cloverfield on the Streets of Milpitas last night. Uh, and boy, are we glad we did not eat beforehand. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. Because didn't I say, <laughs> didn't I say about 15 minutes before, you know what, I think I'm going to get some corn for this. This yeah. is a good popcorn movie. And I just didn't have the, uh, couldn't be bothered to get up. And I'm glad I couldn't because, I, man, I do not get motion sick. I got motion sick. I was ready. At the screening we were at, they told us the statistic was 20 people left. Or not so much left, just walked out, right? So 20 people walked out. I don't know if they came back. Yeah. But. And that they had that they had recorded four vomitings. Wow! So, not actually in the theater though. I hope these not. people got <laughs> out because I, I don't know though the monster was roaring. There could have been a right. <laughs> we wouldn't Maybe. have heard, you know, because it was loud. It was a loud monster. Uh, so yes, Cloverfield, a film in which the conceit is: what if you were watching a giant monster movie, 
from the point of the view point of view of the people that really couldn't see the monster very well, or from the point of view of a shaky handy cam or something. Yes, a and consumer camera. I was honestly kind of hoping that they would drop that bit and like go and show us, uh, you know, from different angles. Because Lon and I were saying it, it begins by saying that this is a found this is found footage from uh, what used to be known as Central Park. So it's already telling you, you know from the very beginning that there's you know something horrible has happened and we it was like this, it was like we want this to be spoiler fr- we want this yeah. to be spoiler free well, I said, so. but that's the very beginning okay. i mean so that's from the outset and that it that what we're seeing is what the military has recovered okay and a la blair witch project a la blair witch project and and yet it still follows a pretty a, a far more should we say cohesive coherent plot line than an actual yeah, it's not camp. just a bunch of people bitching at each other for 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, only about 20 minutes. Where Ending they have the with a blurry special scene. effect that no one understands. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah, no. uh, you know, it, it was... Uh, it, it I'm was, sorry, did I just spoil the Blair Witch Project? It was an effective... Oh, lordy. It was a, I, I don't think it was improvised. Okay. I think it was fairly decently scripted. I just... It, it was just a gimmick that I, I got a little tired of. I wanted to... Well, here's the reality of the gimmick. All the stuff that goes on, and we won't try to spoil it. And I know part of the the uh, the part of the story is we've got to document this. We've got to document everything. Well, I'm sorry if a giant freaking monster attacked my hometown and was trying to kill me. I wouldn't be running around with a camera the whole time. You know what I mean? I would have, you know, lawn, lawn, lawn. What? YouTube. This is why you'll never what? succeed I'm as just, a filmmaker. I, a dead filmmaker, apparently. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm so disappointed because I would think that this is the, exactly the kind of thing that would show up on Moron Life. Um, Cloverfield or <laughs> no? We got to document this. We got to document. Yeah, no, if my life is in danger, it's like that old Bobcat Goldthwait bit where he's all was back around the Rodney King thing. He's all, if you ever see the LAPD beating me down with sticks, put down the camera and help me out. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah kind of. Uh, it, the guy said because the character at one point does say we got to record this. So I mean, I, I found right, but then our other argument was, and this doesn't spoil anything. But as you watch the movie, you notice that there is news coverage of the event going down, and it's being documented by pretty much everybody else. So, so I really wanted. There was a couple of shots where the like the camera turns to the television, showing this. And I'm like, could you hold there for a little while longer, please? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I need to breathe. I need to stop. Feeling like I'm going to throw up. Right. Just right. get a tripod. So right. maybe you could go in with your Benadryl, or, or you could have you one need, of those little elastic bands around your wrist, or well, I mean, or know. sit very at the very back of the theater as because we we were kind of close we're in that little loge, yeah, area. right. And yeah. I think when you're too close and everything's moving, I think if we're if you're all the way in the back and it's a little smaller and you doesn't, you know, but I'd say also plot wise, it's not for everyone because what well, I've always had this idea it would be a joke like it was a short film of saying like you have the idiots that walk wander through an action film, yeah, and this uh, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead does, and there was in the Star Wars comics the Tag and Binker dead, right, right, right. But what those require, what I realized after watching Cloverfield, and this is not a spoiler, but this is just reality of the way this is plotted. Those things work because we do know what the main plot right. is. Right. Well, that was what I was – ever since I heard what this was about, I was thinking, you know, could they potentially do the bigger film 
and then show this like picture in picture cut into it or or whatever or as a companion piece. That'd be an interesting sequel. Yeah, you never. Good know. Lord, maybe. Um, and that was my frustration. I mean, I, I appreciated the what they were trying to do. It's like it feels experimental, and I think the film like this that is clever and almost everything that it's got going for it is it's clever in that approach. Yeah. Clever closes on Saturday night. I think this is a first weekend. People go because they've heard a lot about it. And I will say, when you do see the monster, and that's no spoiler to say that you see it, it is damn freaky. Okay. You know, well, and you know, and to to the credit of the style, the experiment with the handicam stuff, there's some brief. They, he really captures a, a terrifying. There's a lot. There's. I, I, I was tense through a lot. There was of this. A, okay. a lot Absolutely. of tense. It was terror. You know, there are parts where you know you get little glimpses, and you're kind of like, "Whoa, what was that?" You know. So they capture that intensity and that terror. That that. Just, so, so. But but if if you could only keep that part of the shaky footage, I could live with it. So you know as a, I mean? as a film though, were you? Did it have lags? Did you were you bored at any time? Were you? Saying, I was Get very on bored with, with the beginning because there's so much exposition about the plot of the characters. Uh huh. And yet, there are, there are moments that work. So I, I would agree. With you. Like last and night, I felt a little more negative. Today, I feel a little a little warmer to it mm-hmm. than I did last night. But I think also because you know we had to walk around in the cold air and go, please, breeze, right. take this away. So it's not for everybody. By virtue of you can't handle the camera work, it's I'm not for everybody because it's clever. Okay, I'm waiting for. That's not an insult to American people. I mean, it's just like it might be too clever for its own good. I'm also waiting for a new phenomenon that I'm almost going to be positive is going to sweep the nation after people see this. And we're going to call twist. it the, the Cloverfield effect, where it's like how many people, how many reports are going to come in throughout the nation of people getting sick during this movie? You know what I mean? Like, I think this is going to be the one movie that comes along in ages that, you know, is going to evokes a physical evokes reaction. Evokes a physical reaction of like, vomit. Yeah. People like, are going to be talking about it for all the wrong reasons. Right. It's like Tingler for the 21st century. <laughs> I don't the know what that tingler. is. Okay. It's, a no, this, uh, it's a Vinny film. The there same was, thing, though, is happened with Blair Witch. Wasn't there a lot of reports about people getting sick with the yeah. shaky cameras? And it, to be fair, the thing with the Blair Witch Project, and that'll never happen again, where, I mean, even... I think I saw the Blair Witch Project maybe two months into its run. Uh, I hadn't started Fanboy Planet yet, so you know I know it was back when we paid for movies, and there were still people in there going, "Did you know that was real?" You know, I mean that the hoax was big, and I I appreciate that Cloverfield isn't even trying. One of the things about Cloverfield, and we don't see enough of it. I mean, I think we'll see more of this in monster films. Is of course, obviously, it does have a vibe of. You know, post nine eleven, we've now seen the reality of what this kind of destruction really could could do to people. To people, right? And what happens on the streets? What do the streets really look like? Sure. And and that's you know, I mean, it's it's kind of stark, and and that's an interesting reminder. You know, people walking around just they look like they're white zombies because of the dust that has come, and right. and this dust cloud that takes like. A minute to just roll through, and it's almost as frightening as you know, especially after having seen the mist. You know, it's like, is that what's coming in? You know, you're almost a little scared of that that they're gonna 
pull right. that trick on you. But no, that's just the real after effect of a building collapsing. Right, and that's also where the terror comes in. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's real terror in this movie. There's real mm-hmm. kind of shock and amazement because... They do a good job of making yeah. it feel realistic if you can give yourself over to it. Right. Well, good. I still want to see it. Oh, it's definitely worth seeing. You should. We'll keep our mouths shut from here on out. That's uh, it. I thought the monster looked wicked and awesome. Okay. I, I agree with that. Yeah. I absolutely thought the monster Be- And was the beauty of it is, is you don't really, you know, you do see it, but it's one of those things where you're, it's like a good horror film where they don't, you know, they don't show the killer or whatever, you know, and you right. get that feel of what is it? Oh, I got a glimpse. Oh, my God. And so in your mind, you're kind of trying to imagine and you're just right. imagining the best, horrible best ones happen off. Um, exactly. One of my favorite examples of this is the beginning of Time After Time. Jack the Ripper takes a hooker into the alley, right? And he puts his pocket watch down on a on a box, and the pocket watch is playing music. And so it's sitting there open, and that's where the camera stays. And, and all, you, hear all, all you, you hear everything going on, and then there's like one stream of blood that shoots out and goes over the pocket watch. And it's just I forget, terrifying. was the stuff you hear like, Hello, Governor, what are you doing? You know, that, yeah, kind, of, that kind of was stuff. it? Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, Don't stab me, Governor. I mean, to go classic on something that Lon probably hasn't seen, and I've been, I haven't either, but boy, one of those things on my list for a vacation to, to find is Val Luton, who's they've got a, they've got a documentary on AMC is uh, playing next week. Val Luton is the guy who directed the original Cat People. Okay. In which he had no budget. All it is is shadows. Right. Or if you watch, uh, so the original Cat People, great recommendation, look that up. Or uh, Robert Wise's version of The Haunting, the original Haunting in which all it is is lighting changes. And that is such a terrifying yeah, ghost terrifying. movie. As opposed to the special effects movie, The Haunting, that made Liam Neeson want to quit acting. Or Cat yeah. People, which you don't want to watch either. The re- what, with Nastasha Kinski? And Malcolm McDowell. Time after time, yeah. So, yeah, yeah uh, Michael Dolls and that. So, and yeah. it comes full circle. The, yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, which does happen from time to time. We time for, to time we forget <laughs> and then remember as audiences that sometimes just having the suggestion of horror. Stephen King has said that letting letting you fill in the blank, right? And at different ages, you fill in the blank in different ways. Whatever scares you the most you is what you're going to create. Yeah. Is what you're going to create. You know. So, all right. So that's one we've seen. Things that are coming up that we're excited about, back to what uh, Rahim asked us. Uh, we go, there's some rumors here about uh, Conan. What do you know about Conan? Besides, he'll be back. He's buffed. Um, he's got long hair. Uses a lot of Perel. You dream of and night. What? Oh. Where's the loincloth? Purell or Prell? Prell. Oh, yeah, you're right. Purell is the hand sanitizer, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> he, you know, he's dirty. Conan can't even pronounce hand sanitizer. All I know uh, is... Sanitizer. All I know is this. It's you know come on it's a marketable property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Somebody got the the rights to it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they're gonna probably try to pump a trilogy out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, apparently it's been I don't know I don't want to say greenlit, but apparently it's in development. At least it's in it's, development it's, at New Line. New Line Cinema. New okay, Line has okay. committed money to it, and I believe the script is being written or has already been written. They didn't announce a Conan though, did they? No, no casting hasn't even been done. But I think they said that there's a script. Either being written or already written that they're going to go into, and it well, doesn't do have a title, doesn't have anything. They do development; they can basically be writing the script and doing second set stuff. They can be saying, "Or we yeah, actually, they can't be writing the script because of the, of the writer's strike, but they can at least be putting a team because together. there has been a script floating around called the Iron Throne, oh. 
and uh, that's been announced a couple of times throughout history. So, I mean, I'll kind of believe when I see it, but I agree with you. I mean, it's a property people know. Well, already there's a, the, the comic from Dark Horse has been ongoing now for a couple years. Video game from THQ. Video game just came out. There was just an action figure came out from Marvel. Uh, like Marvel, um, Marvel did a line of uh, action figures from properties that weren't their own. Oh. Like Judge Dredd and uh, I Savage know Dragon. I part of that. Oh, okay. And Conan came with a – it was a dual pack with Conan and uh, – oh, gosh. Some big dark knight looking Andy guy. Richter? No, it was like Growl or Growl or oh, okay. Brule or I don't know. Who. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways. Oh, I haven't seen that. Brule is the Spear Slayer from King Cull. Okay. Well, maybe somebody else. I'm thinking – I Which don't remember. Which could be – yeah. uh, Thank you. The Robert E. Howard Zorlak. Yeah. You impressed me, sir. Yes. But anyways, uh, you know, how do we feel about a new Conan trilogy? Uh, Here's the first thing. <laughs> what, what did we think of the first Conan movie? Because we can't talk about the second Conan movie. You know, movie I had an opportunity. I'll... I recently bought bought those on DVD after not having had them for a long time. And uh-huh. I, wa- I re-watched the, the original Dino De Laurentiis. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd forgotten how long it was. It's a long movie. Mm-hmm. Um well, it pretty much tells like Conan's life story too, doesn't it? I mean, but you know what? Yeah, it's 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 him as a it's young a, boy. It's an origin film. Yeah, it's it's an origin film. the The thing was, I forgot how really good Schwarzenegger was in the role. Right. I mean, as far as it was like his perfect talk, role, it was yeah. perfect for him. Yeah. Um, and I really can't imagine any of the other you know, like bulky actor yeah. types playing him. Right. But you're right, though. That first movie, you know, it, as cheesy as it might have been, but for the 80s. Sandal Bergman. Mm. But, you know, I mean, for the 80s. James Earl Jones. It was yeah. actually kind of a stylistic, kind of fantasy picture, right? It's yeah. a well-done film, and I would say it's probably the best sword and sorcery film that I've that I'll I've take seen. you to task on that. My favorite sword and sorcery film is Sword and the Sorcerer. I knew you were going to say that. With I love blade. that movie. I love that movie. Was that I'm not cartoon? a big no, uh, no, uh, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the genre. Actually, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just not. But I'm a big fan of the music. I mean, I'm lo- I, I, hopefully they bring it back. You know that the bum, soundtrack bum, was bum, really bum, good. But yeah, bum, I mean, bum, 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 but I remember seeing Conan be very, very excited. It was sort of this weird moment where I, I realized the culture was turning in my favor when I actually like I bought uh, I bought the first paperback when the movie came out because I hadn't read them. And so it was at school. And, the and, Lancer and all? And, uh, I don't think it was Lancer. Lancer Ace, then. Ace. And uh, it was for a set of cover, though. Yeah. Someone, someone walked into the journalism room and went, hey, I just saw that movie. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's all coming together. The cheerleader just Did you saw, do the... I the, did. Uh, I forget what it's called. <laughs> the Triangle of Evil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stephanie Dominguez. You missed the boat, baby. I miss you, baby. Actually, well, more to come on thing. this story. My copy of Conan is signed by Schwarzenegger because oh. he came to Sunnyvale to a to a health food store that was in the same strip mall where I worked at the pizza parlor, and he was signing his workout book. And I, I begged my manager to let me punch out, let me get on my bike, bike home, get my copy of Conan the Barbarian, and have him sign it because he's going to be in the movie. And oh, the book. The book. Oh, cool. Yeah. So my, my – Oh, man. So when there – and it was great because all these people that are in line. And so the first of two times that I've met Schwarzenegger and and he like – I handed it to him and he goes, what, what is this? <laughs> it's a book, Arnold. <laughs> I said, you are in the movie, aren't you? And he, he looks at it and he's like, 
no one had ever shown him a book. The book. <laughs> oh, the, the, the book. The, 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 he was signing a book. He was signing his <laughs> own book. You mean Conan has been around before this movie? Uh, but it was like it was. It was. Where it, are the pictures? I don't think. I don't think it was that. He, Get to the chopper. Thinking of the time period, so this was '83. I think where Schwarzenegger was in his awareness of culture, it probably just didn't occur to him that anybody be, would be aware of a movie before, before it, it came out. Sure. Yeah, and that here's this, you know. Chubby teenager going, Miss Schwarzenegger, what, you're going to be a barbarian. No. Why are you reading books? Why are you not working out with flabby little <laughs> baby man? <laughs> you don't need my book. Uh, Put down this thing with words and pick up a dumbbell. Take some protein supplements. And so, I didn't work out, sir. I biked home. That's been like two miles. Uh, you make your voice cracked. <laughs> Yeah, so that I was... Would, I would love to go back in time and just see that great, moment. It's a moment of greatness for me where I'm like, Schwarzenegger was in Sunnyvale, you know? <laughs> just just like, buy my book. And now he's and, in Sacramento. Uh, and did you know that he would someday grow up to be governor no, of California? No, I didn't. <laughs> thing. Other things this week. Another perhaps odd casting thing. Liev Schreiber, which I believe it is supposed to be a 2 Isn't he the guy who paints cars? Liev. I uh, maybe the Schreiber's. That's Earl Schreiber. Oh, Earl Schreiber. Earl Schreiber. Right. Schreiber. Schreiber. Uh, Liev Schreiber, uh, who I don't know what he's been most. He, he was, was in the like Omen in remake. Scream. The Omen yeah, he remake. Oh, he's, he's a Manchurian he candidate. He's a Manchurian remake. candidate. That remake. Uh, he's going to be in X Men Origins Wolverine. It's rumored right now. It's rumored. I don't know if it's confirmed. Hmm. I don't know. He's, he's been connected to the movie. He's going to play an interesting character, Rick. If you were now, you have a mental picture of Liev Schreiber. So do you have a mental picture of Liev Schreiber? I do indeed. <laughs> what character in the Wolverine mythos do you think he would play? I you think he'd play him? Sabretooth. You're lying. You wouldn't think And that. you'd be right. But you'd be right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So though there had been a lot of talk that Tyler Maine, who played Sabretooth in the actual X-Men movie, would get to play Victor Creed uh, in X-Men But Origin Tyler Maine's not an actor. He's a wrestler. And Liev Schreiber is... Okay. Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, no, I think he'll be good as Sabretooth. <laughs> um, he's a good actor. He's, you know, he's got chops. I, it's, it's, so it's interesting. And you said that wasn't and there it, a Actually, the thing is, though, um, Schreiber, Liev Schreiber brings a lot of credibility to the project because, you know, he's he's trying to be, yeah, he's been in some other movies or whatever, but, you know, he's a director. I think he's, you know, he's done other, you know, like kind of serious dramas This is a very like weird that. thing to say about him, but he is considered America's foremost Shakespearean interpreter. Seriously? Seriously. Wow. So wow. so there you go. So, I mean, you know, you, everybody loves Hugh Jackman, you know, as Wolverine, but now you Everybody bring, loves Hugh. So, you, when you know, when you bring in real... It's just like the Marvel thing we talked about. They bring in a lot of good, you know, actors mm-hmm. to legitimize their, mm-hmm. you know, their, their stories, yeah. and I think that's good. Now, also, you were going to say... Uh, you said there was Young Striker, because it obviously has young to go back striker. and explain the, the, the beginnings of the Weapon X program. Right, and that's what they're going back so to do. So, Brian Cox played him in X2... And the rumor has it, Young Striker will be played by Dexter, Dexter's own Michael, Michael C. C. Hall. Is that his name? Michael C. Hall. Dexter himself. Now, yeah, because Brian Cox played him with an American accent, so yeah. right, he didn't. Uh, so I guess I could see that. I think Michael C. Hall is a great actor. And he, you know, with his Dexter intensity. You so know. I still haven't watched Dexter, so I really, I, clearly I need to take care of that. But, uh, yeah. It's a good little show. But it doesn't seem like a bad choice to me. I mean, I remember him from Six Feet Under, and I thought he was a good actor. 
and definitely kind of a quirky thing. And, and if you're talking about a guy coming to grips with, probably they'll cover his child as a mutant. And and uh, I, I want to put this one thing in. If anybody, anybody from that production is listening, this is what I want from a Wolverine movie. You've given me three X movies, and I've seen a lot of Logan. This is called Wolverine Origins. You want to see little Logan? I want to see Wolverine in a costume. Now, I know you've got this Weapon X program. You could do it as like a test thing. You know, maybe you're trying to conceal his identity because he's still a hidden government weapon. I want... I mean, just throw me you a bone. You want to see the, the, you the mask see the yellow with stripe the, I want to see the cowl. I want to see the costume. Because that's the great thing about comics on film is we get, we get to see real-world real world yeah. versions of the things we grew up reading on the pages. But you know what they find out when they try and yeah, make I those costumes? Is well, they don't give me, work. Give me a live-action version. Tweak it a little bit. Which is what they did in the first yeah. X-Men. So they, instead they do the leather the spike spandex? jacket. Yeah. But I'm just saying, look at, like, Batman. You know what I mean? Batman's got a real-world costume interpretation of the costume we all know and True. love. But I'm just saying, so give me a Wolverine. Like, he, he doesn't have to have the big, high mask. He could have, like, a mask that's kind of short and helmet Have you seen, have you seen his original mask? Yeah, it's it's kind yeah. of a stripe around the eyes, isn't it, right? Well, yeah. It, it looks it, more it, cat-like. That Hulk wanted to, yeah, he looks like right. a Wolverine at all. He's a cat, yeah. So, I no. mean, you know, I'm just saying, like, have some f- – you can have fun because it's the origin story. Maybe you send him on a couple missions where you have to conceal his identity, and you put him in a costume. And, you know what I mean? Just give me a bone. That's all I'm saying. your inter- identity, we're going to dress you yeah, up like a bright pinata. yellow. <laughs> no, but the brown and tan one. If you, You'd be happy with yeah. the brown and tan. I, I would be happy with a black and gray one. Uh, so, I'm look- yeah, well, we're looking forward to that. So, please, please, so creators, please. give me it. Now, let's get back to the point that uh, Raheem asked about Justice League. What do we think of the Justice League movie? Well, supposedly this week, Entertainment Weekly said that this is like the the make-or-break week, that Warner Brothers is supposed to make all the official announcements as of whatever. It's Wednesday. 4 o'clock today. I was checking the internet. Nothing's come through. So we don't know. Well, then uh, again, is they're all down like down under, right, in New Zealand? So? They want rewrites. They want There's a writer's rumor strike. is they want rewrites, and if they and if they push this on much longer, George Miller may drop off the project, which I think would be probably the worst thing that could happen to it. it then it'll probably not happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then it'll probably die. Um, so I think, and we everybody's talking like writer strike is probably going till there's no foreseeable end in sight. So. I, you could probably kiss Justice League the movie goodbye for now. What do you think? What, well, are, what, what are the bets? What are the odds? Warm, I don't know. We'll we'll still be talking about it next week. Probably. Yeah. Oh sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> what else are we gonna do? I mean, this is how bad it, how the writer strike is. First of all, sites like Comic Resources are now you know they're interviewing TV producers just to talk about TVs, TV shows that we can't watch anymore because there's no more of that. Um, but they also – one of the sites uh, picked up an interview with Akiva Goldsman. So now we're just so desperate for news about movies that might have happened or won't. Akiva Goldsman has a production cr- – producer's credit on several DC properties. So he talked about uh, Teen Titans, and, which I had forgotten they'd announced, and Doom Patrol. Both of which he just gave an interview saying, I don't think they're going to happen because Doom Patrol is too weird. And I'm thinking, my gosh. Oh, God. I'd love to see a Doom Patrol movie. If ever there was a movie that you could easily go in because the Doom Patrol is not connected to any Anything. other superhero. And just do the core, the original core team, the origin story, oh, yeah. and move into the... Oh, you, yeah. need, you need Tim Burton's Doom Patrol. What do oh, you that'd think? be sweet. 
That would be cool. I don't even need Tim Burton's. I mean, uh, that'd be kind of cool, but there are a lot of directors that I think could give. In fact, I'd probably rather see George Miller's Doom Patrol than I than want to see his Justice League. Mm. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of other directors that would that would be impressive for that. But I mean, there's a lot of people with skewed visions. Let, let Henry Selick directed. Um, David Fincher's David Fincher's Doom Patrol. Tarantino. Too too pop culture for him. Tarantino I mean, has not, gone on record; he would never ever direct a, an established superhero property. Yeah, but Doom Patrol is edgy, you know. I know, but not established. I, no, I would. Uh, Richard no, Rod- Robert Rodriguez's Doom Patrol, yeah, maybe, cool. maybe, except the story wouldn't make any sense. But then, and it would be in Mexico. That's okay. <laughs> okay, Senor Nobody. It'd be all Antonio Bandores as and Banderas Robot Man as Robot Man. <laughs> So tell me, why Selma am I in Hayek this Doom as, Patrol? <laughs> as, as giant girl. Elastic girl. Elastic girl, yeah. Turn in your Zorlak badge. All right. <sighs> TV, big event this week. Big event all over, apparently. <laughs> and in Lon Lopez, because I don't know what Lon's going to say. No, it was a big event all over, meaning that it was Fox's biggest broadcast. I don't know if it was ever or in like a long Their ratings? Long as far as ratings? 18 Their ratings? million people. Wow. Wow. And clearly, from the popularity of we're talking about the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, that means that Sarah Connor. that more people believe that a cyborg uh, nation is going to take over and wipe out humanity than believe we're going to get out of Iraq. So, did you learn your logic? <laughs> because statistics can be made to say anything you okay, want. fine. 85% of the populace knows that, Rick. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so... Now you're starting to sound like Garcia. I'm, I'm ripping off actually the Simpsons. That was a Homer Simpson line. Oh, okay. uh, so, <laughs> so, so Terminator, the Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, kind of, uh, long awaited, and that's gonna it's gonna keep us warm through the strike a little Two bit for a few weeks. Episodes. Through a few weeks, because Fox wisely saved it for their midseason. But do you think that was wise to go two nights? I mean, couldn't they get an extra yes. week out of it? I think that was really stupid of them actually to uh, burn two nights in a row. Okay. Instead. Although, you know, it, it, it's hard to know because it certainly worked for me and that for the first time... But Monday night is going to be the regular night. Monday night's the regular and night. Sunday night, they hook everybody. They they buried it in between... Not buried it because it was very heavily hyped, but it was, was sandwiched. Sandwich is a better term. It was sandwiched in between American Dad episodes, which is very popular for Fox. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sunday animation is very, very big for them. So, you know, I guess uh, I was pretty hooked in by that can't argue with the results if they got that no, kind of rating no i was very hooked in by the by the pilot uh my grandmother came in i was at my grandmother's house she came and watched it she's 94 she's a huge cyborg that. sci-fi fan uh, she's a huge cyborg actually oh yeah thanks for bringing it up Derek mccall <laughs> it's time for bed <laughs> what grandma anyway i watched the pilot episode uh and it hooked i was excited to see the second episode and i like the hook they they got it out of 1999. Clever, very nice. Because I missed it, like the first time they, they ran the date. I did, I I didn't get that it was 1999, and so when I actually caught that that's what they're doing, I was like, oh good, okay, yeah. So that they you know so they can mess with time and destiny and all this. I and, just love and which it. which logically they should. I yeah. mean that's the that's the thing is at the end of T two, before T three was the gleam in in a studio's trilogy minded eye. You know I thought. Well, okay, they just they, they pushed off pushed off the destruction of Skynet, but yes, obviously there's that possibility. Skynet, and, and now I'm looking at the series, going, they could just keep staving it off, but yeah. Skynet's trying to keep its own existence. 
right uh, you know going so they have a, they have something that could last it's not it's not a and, and they don't have to do too much obedience to things that happened back in that time no but then the beauty of period. the show is that they can explore so many unexplored things from the two the first two movies that you know any terminator fan has always been wondering you know what yeah. i mean like and that's what i really enjoyed about this cuz like you know the part where uh you know, she explains it. You know, there's like, been sleeper cells like going back. Like Terminator well, we say right now, young boy into the ways of love. Let's let's go ahead and, and say we are going to talk spoilers on this because it's going to be a week after the premiere. Oh, yeah. I think it's fair so, enough. Yeah. So, so the the fact that what I loved about it or the, the new things they brought into the plot line, like we don't just send a person back in time. We go back even further and prep stuff for them to pick up later and mm-hmm. activate. Right. And that's really thinking about that's somebody smart. who's got, got time travel capability. Right. Mm-hmm. That and was that's, sweet. And that's the, something you can't explore in a two-hour movie. You know what I mean? That's but, stuff yeah. you can I mean, develop. That's what you're saying. If you've read the comic adaptation or the comic spinoffs that have tried to be, it's always been – you're kind of limited, like uh, you know, Dark Horse. I think I think it was Dark Horse that had Terminator originally. Yeah, did um, you know? Like there was one where there was another Sarah Connor. So we got the that they had sent more than one Terminator back to get to get Sarah Connor at this time, and so there's one plot fall. I think Matt Wagner did that one. I mean, some really high profile creators have worked on Terminator. I think Alex books. Ross's first work was on a Terminator. The Terminator: book. The Burning Earth, yeah, which yeah. was for Now Comics. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely right. And but there's always been they've had to expand it out, and even you know, like if you find it, the Terminator versus RoboCop. Yeah, was like I didn't like that. I love the Terminator versus RoboCop. Oh, clever, right. clever little thing. But you know, but all these expansions to the universe and the logic. I said with Lon and I were talking about this that you know sleeper cells. This logic. Yeah. The only thing, and but it, I don't know why it just never occurred to me is you know that they travel forward in time. That time travel can work both ways, which right. I thought the rule was being stated by nothing goes back by the first one. It's a one way trip. It's a one way trip. But if you, but there it is. It's planting the stuff. If you send somebody back in time with the pieces to create that, then why not? Well, yeah. they, they couldn't send them back with the pieces. They sent them back to build the pieces. Someone with and, the knowledge. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. So and to see that keep that old style keyboard there coming out of the wall. Yeah, now, that and that they and that they leapfrogged over the dates of Terminator Three exactly, and then say I mean we almost got the Cap- the Marvel Captain Marvel plot line there where Sarah Connor is there's the big spoiler uh, aware that she's actually died two years previously to where she is now. Yes, and getting that warning of. Do I have cancer? Yeah. But see, that's the great, like, see, that's smart writing in the sense of an, you, you create an ongoing. You know, to create an ongoing series, you need stuff like, you know, The Fugitive. You're always running from place to place. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, you know, you're always wondering every week, are they going to get caught? You know, so that's a great ongoing thing. Add peril to, you know, oh, we know the character's going to die. How is this going to, you know, how's this going to And the implication you know? that there are several Terminators running around. Right. Not revealing their presence. And it's not mass destruction. It's... Preparation, preparation, and and, yeah. then, and then there's a huge, and one. they're among us. They're among us, it, you know. Because I really thought in the beginning when the dream sequence well, when wait. she was, oh, go ahead. When she was in, get it got into the cop car when it was revealed to be a dream and Brandon Mullally was there. I thought interesting because Brandon's got that build oh, of a, a Terminator, and so yeah. I thought that's what it was going to be revealed to be, and then you know right. not. It's like, and that's the great thing is now you see any actor who's got some bulk to him. And you're wondering, is it? Right. Yeah. Is it? And they're not playing with the slender, except for the character that Summer Glau plays. 
Cameron well, let's Phillips. Let's talk a little bit about Summer Glau. Let's talk a little bit. Okay. I thought she was. It turns out not only is she, uh, she's just a lovely girl, but she was a great Terminator too. But she my one, good, my one complaint to that though. Is, isn't she essentially playing River from Firefly? No, not quite, because River's got kind of a sense of, uh, a much more buoyant sense of humor at times. And she was sure, but she was still robotic. I would give you, know? you I would give you the... Because that's what I got. I don't think it's too far off from the River yeah. role, but, but I don't care. Well cast. I, I, I love the interaction you just mentioned, the, the cancer reveals. Just, so she says, you died of such a thing, what I die of. She's like, not a beat gets dropped, cancer. And it's like... You know, if you were human, you'd ease her into the thought. But instead, you're a robot. You answered the machine. You answered and there right are away. Something, like yeah, there are some things where she's clearly, as she says in that first plot, she's different by proving that she eats a chip. And I was right. Like, yeah, that's it. Right. And, and that's, she healed, too, didn't she? And she, he- yeah. and she heals. Yeah. And, like, Terminators didn't do that in the past. Terminators don't. Yeah, that was good because I was wondering, after she got shot the first couple of times, I'm going, okay, so... Every episode, every episode, she she kind of loses a little more body mass. We, we 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 like her a little less week after week. Yeah, so she heals. And the other cool thing I liked about it, which is a great thing to bring into an ongoing, is not only is Sarah Connor being chased by the Terminators, she's also being chased by the law, and she's also being now they've added the ex-fiance, you know, mm-hmm. kind of wondering now. So now there's going to be a third party. So now. All the stakes have been raised to where we have so many possible storylines. And that's pres- plot. But I think what what is going to pull me back in is, as I still haven't seen 300. It's embarrassing to say. So she's in that. Lena Headey is the queen of the Spartans. Um, and I, I, But I wasn't all that impressed with her in The Brothers Grimm. But as you pointed out, nobody was really impressive in that movie. No. What I liked about her as Sarah Connor is I really felt this woman is a raw nerve. Yes. And she's been weathered, and there is no second of the day that she forgets where what, she is, what the what's destiny, going on. What the destiny yeah. of her son is, which has got to be psychologically damaging to John, which is sort of being played off. But what I really like, and it's a great thing for tension in the future, just for the drama, is you also see the simple basic thing as... Summer Glau's character, Terminator, there's an implication to me that she shared an intimacy with the future John that Sarah is jealous of. So she's playing out that mother and this and, and lover competitor, yeah. Mother and lover conflict. Right. You know, between and and it's it's subtle. And and the fact that Summer Gla- the, the Terminator is so ignorant of those like what's the ease it into kind of thing, she's gonna be blunt. She's gonna be. It, it's like, I mean, it is a metaphor for really what happens when you meet when you meet the woman that you're not gonna marry necessarily, but the first time you have that kind of competition. Yeah. And she, you know, especially the the you know, John never told you, but. That's the favorite thing he ever did was read The Wizard of Oz in Spanish. And, you know, that little detail. And it's like, why wouldn't John tell me? Like, the, like there are yeah. intimacies that she has, you know. And, and I just thought, that's going to hold me to this series. It's it's well thought out. There's a depth There's to There's going to be character development in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the, the thing we talk about when we don't have character development is special effects. And action. You know, That's the other thing. Action. And, and oh, they handled it well. That was excellent. The the effect, the time travel effect, 
the fights were all well choreographed and the, the sets. The gun concealed in the thigh. That was a great, great, oh, man. great effect. I mean, great uh, idea. Yeah. yeah. And they're so, really exploring what even the T-700s can do. I even like the blue flash in Summer Glau's eyes instead of red. But, I mean, the guy, the Terminator body being activated by the skull and, right. and taking the homeless guy's head. Yeah. Well, let's talk about an inconsistency. Okay. Okay. Did anybody else notice... The Terminator head from 1999 or whatever that was got blown back in time to whatever. Did they come to 2007? Yeah, they're in 2007. Okay, so they showed on the second episode that the head. But they didn't came show it through. on the first one. Yeah, right. right. Came through, and then basically when that head reactivated, the body that had been sitting in a junk pile for whatever, 10 years, less than 8 years, uh-huh. whatever, came back to life, and then it found its head, and then it reactivated. Mm-hmm. Well, in the original Terminator folklore, or let's say canon, the the thing was is he was a he's a machine. He's moving parts. The only way he could travel through the time bubble was he had, had to be covered in organic flesh. flesh. Yeah, that's that's the whole reason why they can't bring weapons back. They can't bring bombs. They can't bring whatever. It has to be covered in human flesh. So there was an inconsistency. Maybe they'll explain it. Was kind it. Of a sick thing though, because then if you really wanted to take somebody back with a decent weapon, you'd hide it. In a, you'd yeah, surgically put it into a yeah. body cavity right. or something. I'm just saying, though, Which is the implication of why he had it in his leg in that first one. But, yeah. but that was the established, you know, that's the established, like, folklore and mythos. That yes, you're right. They did not follow. And I was kind of like, hey, hey, you can't do that. TV adaptations of movies, though, always have to change rules a little bit. So yeah. I'm like, hey, but I agree. You, you do score on that one, though. But I think they're going to ignore that. What do you mean, score on that one? You, you, you get credit You point. get to be a Terminator. Well, Zorlak. there you go. Because, yeah. But I'm just saying, though, here's the thing. Why I don't think they could have done it or why they didn't have to do it was because they already showed that other Terminators were around. Why bring the one from the pilot back to follow on? I think because at the end of the second episode, that is one creepy image of the Terminator trying to disguise itself with no way of replacing its flesh. Okay, sure. It's a cool image, but they could have done it with another Terminator that they had just fought in the normal time. Why have it yeah. be the one? I mean, I guess... Well, they're going to be doing a lot of it. They're yeah. going to be... I think the flying head thing is, I, I really, what it was to me was they shot the pilot, and then they thought a good ending, and then when they got the commitment for the series, they went, uh... We got to do something, and they add, and so they added the flying head. That's why it's not at the end of the pilot; yeah. it's at the beginning of the second episode. Because well, you yeah. see it was an the idea head get shot off and blow through. You don't necessarily see it go go through but, the bubble or anything, but but we saw the we saw them arrive in two thousand seven at the end of the pilot. I'm saying yeah. it was definitely a, a shot we did not see right, right. in the pilot. That's yeah. why it was repeated for the second episode. So I think we're all in agree- agreement. Good show. Bravo. Looking forward to more episodes. I like it. It's going to keep me warm through January at yep. least. That's going to, I mean, for a true sci-fi fanboy, it delivers. Another show that's going to keep me warm. There you go. Torchwood. Oh, Torchy. Torchwood, we, again, reported erroneously today, January 16th, it broadcasts on the BBC. In a week and a half, January 26th, it will broadcast on BBC America. So there's going to be a little lag, but not nearly as bad as it has been before. Yeah. And BBC America is also going to have a repeat showing, which is then made family-friendly because Torchwood has been a little edgier, but apparently to popular demand where because kids have gotten kind of interested in the character in the character because of the Doctor Who appearances, Captain they Jack. need to do a Captain, you know, make Captain and Jack a little more playable. soon to be Martha. Yes, and Captain John. So I looked up that. Is it John? It's Captain okay. John. It's simply that. Um, so, yeah, Torchwood starts tonight. I think we'll, some of us may be able to talk about it next week. We'll see. Um 
So I, I'm excited about that being back. So, you know, there we go in in January. We've got some stuff to tide us over because I don't know when they're going to sh- show those last two episodes of Reaper. Um, and I don't know. Are there any Bionic Womans left? You know, and in, 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 in contrast, Do we I, care? I watched the pilot of the Bionic Woman yeah. versus what happened to Sarah Connor. And the characterization is so much better in Sarah Connor. And the, the Bionic Woman just ticked me off. The Bionic Woman pilot was so, the best episode they did, and it went downhill from there. Oh, man, that I do not want to watch the rest of it because uh, I, I thought the exposition in the Bionic Woman was so bad. Yeah. They just got muddled after that. How terrible. Yeah. How terrible. I, I love scenes where a, a woman walks up to her boyfriend and says, Why are you going out with me? Because we need to establish that we have a different social status as we are dating so that people understand our relationship. Yeah. Well, it's the Bionic Woman. Was it ever high art back no, in the first but, series? But we it expect, was campy back then. But we expect more now. Yeah. Sure. But when a show's called Bionic Woman, no. give it a break, Buster. Really? No. You expect more out of Battlestar Galactica. And I got it. Yes. My point exactly. Uh, a little thing. You I, expected more out of Flash Gordon. And I didn't get it. <laughs> I was disappointed horribly. I Thanks. Now Are gonna, we going to get more episodes of that? Uh, not if I can help it. Finally, the writer strike has done some good. But something we're going to get that I is taking me by surprise. Maybe you're aware of this, but I got an email today. We have just been getting emails well, all over the know, place. I do get a lot of press releases. I just mm. don't always run them. That... Um, Miramax or the Weinstein brothers are releasing direct-to-video through their the D- DTV thing, an animated version of Turok, Son of Stone. I had something about that. Well, I know that there's a new Xbox 360 Turok coming out. Yes. For um, those of us who don't know, Turok is... Well, there's a video game series where most people would know them from. Originally Gold Key Comics? A Gold Key Comic. Revived by acclaim right. or, or Valiant, Valiant, Valiant Comics, because yeah. they had the rights to all the all the uh, gold key characters, uh, and then was Valiant was bought by acclaim, and acclaim was a video game company that developed a series. I think Nintendo sixty four was the first Turok game. It stands out mm-hmm. in my mind because my back to the Cloverfield theory. My brother in law had uh, some sort of motion sickness and was playing Turok while he was sick and then realized he could never play Turok again because every time he just saw those images, it made him want to throw up. Okay. So Well, I, sometimes I those first-person shooters will be, be have a frame rate or a, a motion movement that will set people off. Well, so. and, but it was, he was associating play. it with a virus he of had. Course. So, I uh, cannot play first-person shooters. I get motion sickness. So Turok. It's um, coming out in early February, so hopefully we'll get a copy and we'll get a chance to look at it. Cool. And, well, what's but what's the story? Who is he? He's an Indian? Turok is a Native American. I mean, originally, he was just it was, he was a Native American... And it was like it was like a Tarzan kind of thing yeah. set in in the early days of civilization, and then when he became dinosaur hunter for Valiant, it was that he gone to the future or something. Yeah, he was that there were intelligent dinosaurs that yeah. were coexisting, and he Turok was a title. Mm. He so this kid uh, was a member of a of a Native American tribe, but a college student and regular was kind of pulled out by the by the tribe shaman and said, "You are the Turok." And you've got to fight. So I don't know. I think that was the plot of the video games as well. I've never played. Yes, it was. I've never Basically. played. Basically. But uh, so, uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting. To me, what is interesting is that, you know, we are seeing, we've seen Marvel and DC venture into direct video but then to suddenly see something that's not yeah, uh, like a really well-known property. Like, yeah, you don't have a lot of people unless they really got their nerd grit on. And they've got three directors, all of whom worked on the Bruce Timm 
stuff. So uh, I can't remember the third name, but uh, Dan Reba, Kurt, three directors for a direct video. Each disc. act. Well, uh, Superman Doomsday has three directors as well. Bruce Tim only directed the third act. Oh, okay. And then oversaw the whole thing as a producer. So it's, so they can – they're doing this now to make it so that they can make – But it's not like they spend a lot of time on set with the actors, you know? No, no, no. But it, yeah. an, an animation director is different and yeah. overseeing. So they so they chunk it out so that they can turn – their turnaround time for these projects are faster. faster. So if you – we all if, know that speed builds in quality. Speaking of speed, we forgot to mention, man, we saw that poster for Speed Racer, 3D. Mm, okay. Look it out in the theater. Yeah. Oh, we, didn't, we, we, we didn't say that on the podcast. Oh, before. So we were all very excited about I know it gets confusing. And if I'm wrong and if I'm, you know, repeating myself, edit me. Okay. For God's sake, edit me. Do you have my thing on there? What is your thing? You said it was a surprise. I've got a surprise. Tell me what your surprise is. My surprise is right here in my jacket, hidden away. What? Yes. It's not in your because front pocket. It's jacket. It's on the desk. So I, I picked it up this it's morning. It's reasonably safe. Ah, uh, yes. I have the Family uh-huh. Guy Blue Harvest Collector's Box Set wow. DVD Edition. So that's the complete. Then I thought we'd take it. We'd take it apart here. Uh, okay. So we slipped. Why this, is it a box set? I thought it was only one episode. Slipped, it's okay. So it's it's a standard DVD size height and width, but a, it's a, about. It well, I'd looks say it's like about Star three Wars inches Trilogy. thick. It's it's it, it and it's like got a Star picture Trilogy. of the Death Star on the back cover, and then it's got the Lois and and uh, and I do just name? love Chris. it. It's called Blue Harvest. Yeah, and the Darth Vader, Darth Vader in the background. So you open it up, and you have the repeat of the fo- that that on both sides of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you got a uh, split along the spine to open up to one of these. Wow, this really is a big box set. Three, pa- four panels of goodies inside. Starting with on the left, you have the collectible <laughs> cards. Wow! You have the, the Family Guy collectible cards, which they look, look just like the Tops cards. Yeah. It looks like it looks like there's a puzzle you can put together from oh, the cards wow. on the back. I haven't taken the shrink wrap off. That is brilliant. You have a pair of 3D glasses. Now you might say, "What do you need the 3D glasses for?" Oh, tell me, Rick. Well, the next pocket has the family guy dvd which is probably what you'd get if you don't buy the collector's edition it's a shrink wrap but if you look at special features here it says audio commentary by family guy creator seth Seth mcfarland with blue harvest director producers writers and editors next bullet conversation with star wars creator george lucas next bullet once in a lifetime making of blue harvest featurette next bullet animatic version of blue harvest Mm-hmm. Next bullet, Family Guy Star Wars clip show, uncensored audio track, and the last bullet is Blue Harvest fight scene in 3D. So there will be a reason to put on the 3D glasses in here. We just covered the extra the extra materials that's in this box. Okay, set. and there, I, I'm still looking. There's two more flaps for There's you to explore. There's two more flaps. So the next flap is a Blue Harvest T-shirt. Oh wow! In in uh, in typical fanboy uh, one size fits XL. Mm-hmm. Sure, but um, that works. We're XL, and, and that's got the uh, the logo with uh, Lois. It's the standard Star Star Wars. Okay, uh, you know I was logo. totally gonna resist this. You had me at the first panel, and then mm-hmm. the last one is this booklet. The last panel has a booklet: "The Art of Family Guy Blue Presents Har- Blue Harvest," and you've got uh, the pencils. And little uh, 
character sketches. There's a wonderful uh, uh, bit in here with the cantina scene where you actually see Bender sitting at a, I noticed that. I uh, watched that. There's, 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 there's a lot of actually little, yeah, goodies there's a little goodies in that scene. There's a lot of cameos. cartoons and, uh, yeah, just uh, this is just phenomenal. Wow. I can't believe and it's such a nice it's an obvious parody of the packaging of almost any of because this is basically the TV show mm-hmm. on DVD but they throw all the stuff in there and it's just uh, so tell me something Rick okay how much uh, it was on sale this morning fries twenty four ninety nine. wow and the regular I, price is 29 I gotta go <laughs> so I, I saw that I said I gotta pick that up before the show and we'll uh, it's too bad this isn't a video cast yeah. because visually we don't do justice to this thing but well, we no could, but it's beautiful it, I mean I could put that on the shelf next to my wife's yep. box set and I think I'd trick her into watching an episode of Family Guy exactly um, wow I totally totally want that and I was I did not need to have the DVD at all now I need to have that mm-hmm. set yeah just for the cards alone, I think that'd be fun. Oh, that's brilliant! I'm waiting for the uh, the audio commentary is going to be wonderful, and then the uh, the uh, the the expletive undeleted uh, audio track too. It's oh my gosh! Yeah, seriously, wow! On Thanks. A, a you, note to go out on. You completely dazzled the crap out of me. I got nothing more to say. If you've got any comments, questions, gifts, you'd like to buy me a copy of Family Guy <laughs> Blue Harvest. Uh, then write into editor, we take PayPal, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of fanboyplanet.com. I am uh, Lon Lopez, and I am uh, part of that thing we like to call moronlife.com. I'm Rick Brett Snyder, and I'll make sure Derek puts a link to, so you can purchase Fanboy. Absolutely. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This is Fanboy Planet reminding you to use your powers only for good. Or long. And thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.lukeski.com. Radius, and wherever they are, that's where the monster is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> you know. Is it all a cheat, or is it actually? Oh no, it's actually it? it's a it's a very good trick, and they don't cheat on it at all. all right, okay. It's just other than the fact that the monster really just seems to be going around in circles wherever these people are. You know what? The thing well, the monster has one leg that's shorter than the other. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> okay. That is true. So I just thought he's like you know. If he wasn't trying to like throw Bukaki into the mainstream DC universe, uh, wait a minute, <laughs> you can't use that. Can't use that. <laughs> okay, no. this is one smart writer. You know, I just before we actually start this, at forty-five minutes, I was going, I don't have to edit anything this week. <laughs> <laughs> then it all went to hell. Oh. Did you knock on wood? No, I didn't. Moron! Say it. I didn't say it aloud. Doesn't matter. <sighs> Doesn't matter.